uh, consideration on the back page of our bulletin, and this is from Gilbert Chesterson. We actually quoted him last week, but this guy has some, some wallops, so he talks, says this about toleration. And remember, this quote comes from a guy who wrote this in the 1800s. This was not yesterday, but notice what he says. Societies are, are far gone in depravity when toleration is considered good in and of itself. Without regard to the thing, tolerate it. And that's where we are in our society. You can tell that we are in a decadent society. It's tolerate everything. Tolerate. Tolerate. Tolerance. Uh, well, something, some things don't need to be tolerated, honestly. <laughs> and you get it really use some... Uh, be led by the spirit in some of these things. And some of these things are, you tolerate them and it's not going to be a good thing. All right, that brings us to our, uh, pull it up. Okay, thanks. That brings us to our message today. And uh, we were, this is Resurrection Sunday. We're celebrating the resurrection of Christ from the dead. And I was thinking, what's a good message to speak on? And I had some years ago started on this and never finished it about uh, Pilate. As you read through, it's interesting as you look at uh, Pilate and what he did, and you see politics never changes. If you look at uh, Pontius Pilate, you'll see that what he did is the same thing that you see happening today. People are more concerned about appeasing people than doing what's right. They're more concerned about appeasing people than doing what's right. And you can see this. This is what happened with Pilate. He was more concerned about appeasing people. And you can see this, that men at, at various times, they are stored off and they want to do what is right, but different circumstances and situations will conspire to make them go in a different direction. You can see this with Pharaoh, remember? Pharaoh wanted to let the children of Israel go. Every time he wanted to let the children of Israel go, but then, ah, he thought about it. Nah, can't do it. Uh, you saw it with um, Adam in the Garden of Eden as well. And you can see that he made the wrong decision as well. Now, Pontius Pilate was the governor of Judea. And he found himself in this kind of situation. He really didn't want to be in it. He wanted to get out of it. If you knew the situation with the Jews and the nation of Israel at that time, they um, were a nation that was under the Roman rule. And so they had some uh, leeway, but in order to put someone to death, they had to get the Romans to be able to uh, go along with it. They, had, they were autonomous in some ways, but in, in, in some ways they weren't, they weren't, particularly when it came to the death penalty. And so Pilate knew that the Jews had delivered Christ over because they were envious of him. We're going to show you that. He knew that this, they were, they were, this was not, all to do about nothing. He should have let him go. But he wouldn't. Why? As a politician, he tries to find a way out. What is the best way out that's going to be the least problem for me? And you're going to see this as you look at what he does. And so he didn't make the right decision. He refused to stand up for what was right. Now, you can kind of see this today. You know, I don't care. I mean, at some point in time... If you want to be delivered from men, you've got to be concerned more about what's right. I, one of the things I really appreciate about my dad was that he never, I don't recall him ever, bowing down to people 
because of people. It was always what was right. What's right, what's wrong. Even if it was a family member. I'm sorry, if you're on the wrong side of it, you're wrong. That's the problem in the American culture today. You just don't see that. We play willy-nilly and footsie with the truth. And the truth is the truth depending upon you know, who, who's, who's behind it, right? And so that's a problem. And once you get into that, that kind of situation, you're going to find yourself in, 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 in a bad place. And this is where Pilate was. He was concerned about the truth in as much as how it's going to affect him. He really should have said, you guys are just jealous of this guy. I'm setting him free. But he didn't do it. And there are going to be eternal consequences for him because of that. But I've always struggled with this question and I wanted to ask the question, where did Pilate go wrong? And we'll see it in Mark chapter 15. Father, we're grateful for the opportunity of being able to look at these things and grateful that as believers that we have the opportunity to celebrate the resurrection of your son today. The fact that uh, all over this world, uh, no matter what people have done to try to destroy Christianity, that what's resonating all over this world is the fact that we're celebrating the resurrection of your son out from the dead. And there's no one who's been able to stop it. No matter how many people they've killed off, no matter how many people they've persecuted, they cannot stop that truth from getting out. And we're so thankful for that as we celebrate the resurrection of your son today. We would pray that you would give us a clear mind that we might be able to understand these things from your word. In your son's name we pray. Amen. And so we find ourselves in Mark chapter 15 is where we want to go. Mark chapter 15 and we want to zero in on verse 15. Mark chapter 15 and verse 15. Now, here we find ourselves as the Lord, um, the Lord is being interrogated by Pilate. And uh, the Jews bring him to Pilate. And they are trying to get him to institute the death penalty. And they have uh, pretty much made up their mind what they want to do. And you have this guy, Pilate. And notice you see him in verse 15. And so Pilate, willing to content the people, he released Barabbas unto them. So Pilate, just to give you a little background, and this is, I gathered this information out of ISBE. If you don't know what ISBE is, it's the International Standard Bible Encyclopedia. It's got great information in there. And he was called what is called a pure procurator. Uh, and what was appropriated during that time in the Roman government was a personal servant of the emperor, and he was directly responsible to him and was primarily concerned with finance, but the powers of the procurator varied according to the appointment of the emperor. And you see in scripture, in Matthew 27, if you turn over there in verse 2, he's called a governor. Uh, the word for governor, is a, there is actually a hegemai. And so he's a guy of great importance. And so he's under the emperor, and this plays a big, important uh, role in some of the things that he does. Uh, So he's trying to keep this volatile situation with the Jews under control because he doesn't want something to break out under his watch. And so notice as governor in uh, Matthew 27 and verse uh, 2, we'll see in verse 1, when the morning was come, all the chief priests and the elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. 
And when they had bound him, they led him away and delivered him to Pontius Pilate, the governor. That word governor is the word uh, hegemai, which is a leader of a a province. And so, and so Pilate had a lot of authority. He had the ability to be able to say, no, this is not going to happen on my watch, but he didn't. Now notice, I give you a little bit more information about what he did there uh, as he was a military, uh, over the military criminal ju- uh, jurisdiction. Um, he was the uh, procurator of Judea, and in some ways he was subordinate to the legate of Syria, but the exact character of the subordination is not known as a rule of a procreator must be an uh, equestrian rank in a man of military experience. And so looking as if he had some military experience there. If you turn over to Luke chapter 3 and verse 1, notice you see this, this uh, information given. And I think a lot of the background information give, given here is very important to um, drawing a timeline of what was happening in Scripture some, from this, uh, this timeline here, you can actually go back and validate the fact of some of these rulers that were in control when these things actually happened. Notice in verse 1 of Luke chapter 3, Now in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate being governor of Judea, and Herod being the tetrarch of Galilee, and his brother Philip the tetrarch of uh, Eturia, and the region of uh, Trachonitis, and uh, Lassianus, the uh, Tetrarch uh, of Abilene, Ananias and Caiaphas being the high priest, the word of God came unto the, uh, John, the son of Zacharias, in the wilderness. Now, this is before uh, as you, uh, the Lord was born and talking about the time that John the Baptist was pregnant, uh, or Elizabeth was pregnant. I don't say John the Baptist was pregnant. <laughs> We're not talking about today. <laughs> Uh, but John the Baptist, Elizabeth was pregnant with John the Baptist, that these people were in charge. Uh, now notice, under Pilate's rule, the Jews were allowed as much self-government government as was consistent with the maintenance of imperial authority. So they had a lot of leeway, the nation of Israel did, to do certain things. Uh, the Sanhedrin was allowed to exercise judicial functions, but if they desired to inflict penalty of death, the sentence had to be confirmed by the procreator, or, in this instance, Pilate. Now, I want to show you something very interesting. Look at John chapter 18. John chapter 18. This is a very interesting interplay that Pilate has with the Lord as he's talking to him. Um, John chapter 18. Uh, Now, we'll go down. Let's sort it... uh, And we'll pick it up in verse 19, and we'll read down through 31. Then the high priest then asked Jesus of his disciples and his doctrine. And Jesus answered him, I spake openly to the world. I ever taught in the synagogue and in the temple, whether the Jews always resort, and in secret have I said nothing. Why ask thou me? Ask them which heard me, what I have said unto them. Behold, they know what I said. And when he had thus spoken, one of the officers which stood by struck Jesus with the palm of his hand, saying, Answerest thou the high priest so? Jesus answered. Now notice, this is really interesting, because if you go to Acts 24, I think it is. Courtney's not made it there yet. They have Paul in a similar situation, remember? And the uh, the person strikes uh, 
Paul, the high priest tells the person to strike Paul and Paul says, God will strike you, you whitewashed wall. <laughs> well, notice how Paul responded versus how the Lord responded in this similar situation. And so when they slapped him, what did he say? Jesus answered them and said, if I have spoken evil, bear witness of the evil. But if well, why smiteth thou me? Now, Ananias, which was sent uh, him bound unto Caiaphas, the high priest, and Simon Peter stood and warmed himself. And they said, therefore, unto one another, art, there thou, um, art thou also one of his disciples? And he denied it and said, I am not. One of the servants of the high priest, being his kinsman, whose ear Peter cut off, says, Did not I see thee in the garden with him? And Peter denied it again, and immediately the cock crew. Then they led Jesus from Caiaphas unto the hall of judgment, and it was early. And they themselves went not into judgment hall, lest they should be defiled, but that they might eat the Passover. And Pilate then went out unto them and said, What accusation bring ye against this man? They answered and said unto him, If he were a male factor or an evil man, we would not have delivered him unto thee. Then said Pilate unto them, Take ye him and judge him according to your law. So there was a certain amount of autonomy that Israel had. He says, You take him and you judge him according to your law. The Jews therefore said unto him, It is not lawful for us to put any man to death. And that's what's what's interesting, and we'll see that. Uh, Also, just as an aside here, um, you see Pilate as he, he's uh, talking to Jesus over here in verse 36, uh, actually verse 35, Pilate answered, uh, Am I a Jew? Thine own nation and thy chief priest has delivered thee unto me. What hast thou done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. I really I want to say it's, it's not out from this world. It did not originate from this world. Is what he's saying. Why? His kingdom is from heaven. And when he comes and he institutes it as it's going to be in the millennial kingdom, you're going to see a kingdom like you've never seen before on the face of this earth. And he says, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. Then Pilate therefore said unto him, art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth hears my voice. And then, of course, Pilate says, What is truth? (laughs) I've always found that interesting. But you see that Pilate had this authority. He was a Roman governor or procreator. And he had some authority. And so as the Lord is talking to him and he's questioning the Lord, he questions him uh, and he's trying to find out. He actually questions both sides. He questions the Lord and then he questions the Jews. And he's trying to find out what's going on here. Now, look at this, if you will. In Mark, uh, Matthew chapter 27 and verse 11, he, you can see that he asked him about what his intentions were. And he's trying to find out, is this man leading an insurrection? Is he trying to overthrow the Roman Empire? What's going on here? And then notice in verse 
11, and Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, saying, Art thou the king of the Jews? And Jesus says unto him, Thou sayest. And when he accused the chief priests and elders, he answered nothing. Then Pilate said unto him, Hearest thou not how many things they witness against thee? And so notice when he says he's king of the Jews, that doesn't move Pilate's needle. All he's concerned about is that he's not trying to insurrect or throw an insurrection of the Roman Empire. He said, oh, yeah, you're king of the Jews. And notice, he says that. Interesting, a lot of people in the church don't understand this, that when he first came, he offered himself as king to the nation of Israel. That's what he offered himself as. You see it again. Notice in Mark chapter 15 and verse 2. Verse 1, and straightway in the morning, the chief priests held a consultation with the elders and the scribes and the whole council, and they bound Jesus and carried him away and delivered him to Pilate. And Pilate asked him, are you king of the Jews? So he's asking him a direct question. And so why is he asking him this? He's trying to find out the accusation is made that this man's leading an insurrection. And he asked him, are you king of the Jews? And uh, notice and he answered and said unto him, you say it, you said it. He didn't deny it. So notice when Pilate put on the cross, hail Jesus, king of the Jews. That's what he came for the first time. Was to offer himself as a king to the nation of Israel. And it's not right for you to say that he's king of the church. Do you know that it's never mentioned that he's king of the church? Not one time will you find that. Not one time will you see that said. Not once. He offered himself as king to the nation of Israel. And they rejected him as king. Remember what did they say? We will not have this man to be our king. We have only one king. Caesar. They rejected him as king. And so notice he asked him another question. He asked him why were the Jews making these accusations against him? Notice down, we'll read from uh, in Mark 15, and we'll read down through verse 4. And the chief priest, verse 3, accused him of many things, but he answered nothing. And Pilate asked him again, saying, Answerest thou nothing? Behold, how many things they witness against thee. And Jesus yet answered nothing. So that Pilate marveled. And so he asked the Lord, now he's going to ask the Jews. Why did you bring this man in? Notice in Matthew chapter 27 and verse 17. 17. So he's doing a thorough investigation. Uh, This is probably better than many of the investigations you will get today in your judicial system. (laughs) Okay, I shouldn't have said that. Matthew chapter 27 and verse 11. Notice. And Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, saying, Are thou the king of the Jews? And when, uh, notice, let's go down a little bit. Uh, uh, Just pick it up in verse 14. And he answered him, Never such a, a word, insomuch that the governor marveled greatly. Now at that feast, the governor was wont to release unto the people a prisoner whom they would. And they had a noble prisoner called Barabbas. Therefore, when they were gathered together, Pilate asked, said unto them, Whom will ye that I release unto you? Barabbas 
or Jesus, which is called Christ. For he knew that for envy they had delivered him. Now we're going to see this word for envy here later on and, and the, the idea of what envy is. It's a nasty thing. And we'll see that. Uh, and notice, but in verse, uh, let's say we were going down to 22. Um, and when he had sat down to judgment seat, his wife sent unto him saying, have nothing to do with this just man. For I've suffered many things this day in a dream because of him. And the chief priests and the elders persuaded the multitude that they should ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. Then the governor answered and said unto them, Whither of the two will ye that I release unto you? Barabbas? Oh, excuse me. And they said Barabbas. And Pilate said unto them, What shall I then do with Jesus, which is called Christ? And they said, Crucify him. Now notice. In uh, verse, uh, we'll look back at Mac, Mark 4, 15. He's going to ask them a crucial question, and they can't answer it because it, it's not true. And then you're going to get a commentary in Acts 13 about what um, Paul said about this moment. In Acts 15, uh, Mark 15 and verse 14, notice, um, then Pilate said to them, what evil has he done? And so that um, word for evil is actually the word for kakos, evil, which is an interesting word. Uh, the word kakos, so you have two kind of evil words that are used in the New Testament, and kakos is more single evil. It's not like you're leading an insurrection or you're trying to get other people to join you. You're just doing something and you're, you're evil yourself, right? Um, I'll give you an example. A drunk man would be more evil. Why? Most drunkards are not trying to get somebody to drink with them. They're just evil. They're doing that evil by themselves. But when you get, say, a gang member, he would be more of a conspiratorial evil because they're not content to do evil by themselves. They want other people to join them. You see, you get most of these little gang members by themselves and they're just wimps. They, they, if you saw them by themselves, you could probably take them. But it's just when they get together with other people, you see. And so he's asking the word here for kakos is the word, what evil have you done? Are you doing something evil yourself for your benefit? And so he questioned the Jews as to their intentions, uh, whom they wanted to be released. What, what did they desire him to do with Jesus? What was the reason that you're holding him here? Why did you bring him to me? So now between these questionings, Pilate came up with a conclusion. And you can see it. Notice it says earlier in the 15th chapter that he knew that it was because of envy that they envied him that they, that he brought, they brought him to him. Now, this word for envy is an interesting thing. It's the word uh, uh, fontanas. And it means to, this will be my definition for it. It's a disgust of a person fueled by jealousy over a perceived or authentic good fortune of another. So you, ha you see somebody else with something, and you see a lot of this in the world, right? You don't necessarily want it yourself. You just don't like the fact that that person has it. Right? And so they saw the crowds, right, that came around and how they followed him. Remember, 
when uh, he was he came up and uh, they were praising him and they said, tell them to shut up. And he says, if these be quiet, the rocks will cry out. They envied him. And so that's a that's a huge thing. And you can see that word for envy. It's used in several places. Look at Matthew 27, 18. Why? What will people do for envy? Right. You see it again. It says that they knew that for envy that they had delivered him. Now, illustration of that is you can see in uh, uh, Romans chapter six and verse four. Did I put the right verse? I'm thinking. Now, you know, that if you look at Galatians chapter five, that envy is a work of the flesh, that this is something that the sin nature will cause you to do, that this fallen nature that we talked about earlier, in which you can see that you are a bad person, it causes you uh, to want to um, envy. I got the wrong verse there. But the idea for envy um, is to uh, to have a disgust of a of a uh, fear of a person fueled by jealousy over a perceived or authentic good fortune would be a good place to to see that. Now notice, he judged that the Lord was unworthy of being held. And so look at Acts chapter 3, and Courtney's gone through this in the um, Sunday school. And you see a commentary here on what Peter says that Pilate came to the conclusion of. In Acts chapter 3, and notice in verse, uh, start with verse 11. And so here Peter had uh, and the other apostles had uh, raised a lame man that was outside of the uh, temple. And notice in verse 11, and as the lame man which was healed held Peter and John, all the people ran together unto them in the porch, which is called Solomon's greatly wondering. And when Peter saw it, he, <coughs> excuse me, he answered unto the people, you men of Israel, why marvel you at this? Why look so earnestly on us as though by our power or holiness we had made this man to walk. And notice what he says here. The God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the God of our fathers, had glorified his son, his son, Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate. When he was determined to let him go. Uh, really, that word determined actually is not the word. You have a couple of words for determined. You have uh, bulamai, um, and then you have this word krino that is used here. And the word krino here, when he says that Pilate had determined to let him go. In other words, the word krino has the idea that to weigh the evidence and come to a determination based upon the facts examined. Pilate had weighed the evidence. And found out there was no reason for them to bring this man before him. And so he had judged that that was the case. And he was, had determined to release him. But here's the problem. Why didn't he? Well, why do we do a lot of things that people do? People know what's right to do in a lot of situations and they won't do it. Because they're scared of what people might say or what people might do. That's a huge factor. You can see it a lot. I know we're not talking about anybody in here that have done this, but you know people, right? You guys in here know people that have done this, not yourselves. And so notice 
Pilate wanted to release the Lord because he found that he had broken no law. Notice in Luke chapter 23 and verse 4, you see this. Now Luke chapter 24, notice in verse... um, Uh, I'm in the wrong chapter here. Chapter 23 and verse 4. And verse 1 is, And the whole multitude of the people arose and led him to Pilate, and they began to accuse him, saying, We have found this fellow perverting the nation and forbidding to give tribute to Caesar, saying that he himself is Christ a king. And the implication here is that he's a king to undermine Caesar. And notice verse 3, and Pilate asked him, saying, are you king of the Jews? And he answered and said, thou sayest. Then says Pilate to the chief priests and to the people, I find no fault in this man. Now this word for I find is that I've looked, searched, there's something, there's nothing that I'm searching for here that would find uh, the word for fault here cause or an event or a reason to detain this man. And so here you can see it, and I, if you go back in Fox's Book of Martyrs, there's a lot of people who will suffer, not because they actually did things that are wrong, but because you have spineless people like this guy who want to appease other people. And they don't want to do what's right. Right. And so here you see it. He says he hasn't done anything wrong. He's done nothing worthy of evil. But he doesn't want to release him. He wanted to release him, but he didn't. Notice he attempted to allow the people to release him. And we looked at some of that as, well, let's just go back over there again in Matthew 27, where he's asking the people, he's trying to turn it on the people because they had a tradition that they would have released a prisoner. And remember what is said here about Barabbas. Not only did he lead an insurrection against the Roman government, but that somebody was murdered in the process. And this is the guy that they would choose to release instead of the Lord. In Matthew chapter 27, notice in verse um, 15. Now at the feast, the governor was wont to release unto the people a prisoner whom they would. And they had then a notable prisoner called Barabbas. Therefore, when they were gathered together, Pilate said unto them, Whom will you that I release unto you, Barabbas or Jesus, which is called Christ? For he knew for envy they had delivered him. And when he had set him down at the judgment seat, uh, his wife came and said, Have nothing to do with this man, for I have suffered many things this day in a dream because of him. And the chief priests and the elders persuaded the multitude that they should ask Barabbas, and destroy Jesus. Then the governor answered and said unto them, Whether the twain will you did I release? And they said, Barabbas. And Pilate said unto them, What shall I then do with Jesus, which is called Christ? And they said unto him, Crucify him. Let him be crucified. And the governor said, What evil has he done? But they cried out the more, saying, Let him be crucified. And when Pilate saw that he could prevail nothing, but that rather a tumult was made, he took water And he washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. 
you see to it. And so your pilot is playing pure politics. I guess you, know, you have a lot of euphemisms that come across from the Bible into our um, society. I'm washing my hands of the whole situation. And so you can see that it comes from this situation. Now notice, here's the point here in verse uh, 15 of Mark chapter 15 as we go back. And so Mark writes, as he's led by the Holy Spirit, what happened here as to why Pilate would not do what he saw was right to do. Verse 15. And so Pilate, willing to content the people, released Barabbas to them and delivered Jesus when he had scourged them to be crucified. And so Pilate handed over the Lord after seeing that he could not convince the Jews to release the Lord. And so this is the word willing, that he was willing. Um, the word willing there is actually the word fellow. You have a couple of willing words there. Um, excuse me, it's the word uh, bulamai. You have a couple of willing words that are used in scripture. Uh, when you see the word willing or desire, they translate a couple of words. And so it's important to know which one. Well, this word, uh, uh, the word that he's talking about here is the word bulamai. But there's another word that translates it as well. It's the word fellow, which means to desire, to have a wish for something. Now, how do you, do you differentiate these two words? I'm laying in bed at night, and I want to get up and get a piece of cake. And I'm thinking, I have a desire to do it. But you ever had that? But you're too lazy? <laughs> so you're never determined to do it? <laughs> so I desire, I can desire to get up at night and go get a piece of cake. But it takes a little bit more to determine to do it, you see. Right. I don't do that because I know it ain't happening. <laughs> um, I, I, can, I don't determine to do it. So you can have a desire to do something, but not determined to do it. So the word that is used here for uh, Pilate was willing is the word bulamai. He didn't just de- de- desire to do it. He determined. He made a decision. This is the direction we're going to go in. It's easier to appease the crowd than to do what's right. And you see that. I mean, okay, so you guys don't criticize Pilate here because I'm going to ask you guys the same question. How many of you, because we're going to all be put in these kind of situations, are more concerned about what people think than what's right? That's what's happening here. That's exactly what's happening here. So he's under pressure and he's going to make a decision to go in the opposite direction of where the pressure is coming from. And so notice this word for bulamai and it's the word and I'll give it this definition to determine is determining something. You make a decision to proceed in a particular direction. And so you don't just wish that something be the case. You are determining that you're going to go in that direction. And that's what Pilate did. He made a determination that he was going to give over the Lord. And the thing that here that tells us why he did it is very clear. You could see. Verse 15. That Pilate was willing to content the people. Now that word content, what does that mean? It's an interesting word. It's the word hikanon. And it's used uh, 
a few times in the New Testament, and it's translated really, and we would translate it into English, to satisfy. He was wanting to satisfy. Now, I would give it this definition here. To do something to convince people that one is worthy of the statue that is portrayed, right? So you're trying to show people, hey, I'm in. And that's what he did. He didn't want to get the Jews upset. The easiest route, as he looked at it, was to give the Lord over. And so this word for... um, to, uh, to satisfy something, you see it used uh, a lot in the New Testament of um, doing something to satisfy others. And I, I give you a couple of uh, illustrations there. We won't look at that. And then the last thing that we would see that he was, who was he trying to content? The people. It was a little bit interesting because the word it, for people there is not what you would think. Most of the time when you see that phrase, the people in the New Testament, it actually is talking about the, the nation of Israel. And it is talking about Israel here, but it's, it's actually not the word that is used normally, and it's for a good reason. The word that is used there is a phrase, oxlo, with an articular use of it. And what is he trying to appease? The crowd. So you could have a group of people that gather, and um, I just saw this week... <clears throat> There was this woman, uh, the swimmer, that was uh, beat out of her medal by this transgender guy. Was out in uh, California speaking at a uh, um, an event out in California, and she had a mob following her, a crowd of people, and they were really nasty people, really nasty people, and uh, one of them actually abused her. Uh, and so you have you have a group of people that can gather, but this this is different. You can have a crowd gather, and it's a whole different mindset. Now I'm going to give you this definition here from a couple of places, from mine and then Lil Nita, about what this means about this crowd, and it plays into why Pilate made the decision he made. Now a crowd is a casual a casual non-membership group of people, fairly large in size, and assembled for whatever purpose. And so you can get crowds together and, um, you know, some people, I mean, you get crowds together depending on how they're being led. They can be really nasty. And what you had here, as you saw throughout the course of the Gospels and the context that we read, is that the Jews were going around really influencing the crowd, influencing them to choose Barabbas over Jesus. And so I could imagine that this crowd was probably a little bit like the crowd uh, out in California. Now, I would give it this definition. It's a mass of people gathered together, unified only by some particular purpose. And what you end up finding with crowds is if you actually go through the crowd of these rebel rousers that people gather together, most of them don't have any understanding of what's going on. They're being told what to say. Have you ever seen that? Right? You have one person chanting, And the other people are chanting the same thing that the first person is chanting, right? And so they're being directed in a certain direction. So now imagine this is what was facing Pilate. And the crowd was chanting, we want Barabbas. Never to mind that Barabbas was a murderer. Never to mind that he had led an insurrection. Pilate did not have the spine. Remember, he said, what's truth? What is truth? 
Well, don't be too hard on Pilate, because we see it today. People who don't believe in anything. They don't believe that there's truth. And they do what is expedient. They do what they believe is going to curry favor with people. And this is why you can see when people get in front of it. I actually... Uh, like what Martin Luther King said, I think it's really true. The ultimate measure of a man's character is not determined in a time of comfort and convenience. It's in a time of crisis and conflict. When you find someone under pressure, how do they respond? That really tells you who that person is. It's how you respond under pressure. Well, what did Pilate do under pressure? He gave in. Why? He was willing to satisfy the crowd, even though we've established he knew that the Jews were bringing him over there because of envy. He knew that that Christ was not leading an insurrection against Rome. He knew these things. And he yielded to the crowd. Why did Pilate do it? So clear to see. He did exactly what men do who don't stand for truth. I hope that we actually can learn from that today, right? God used it anyway, and he accomplished what he wanted to accomplish. We get the benefit from it, right? Why? Because Christ was put to death. And what we celebrate today is that he was raised again from the dead. Isn't it neat how God even uses, no matter what stupidity men do, and they're going to pay for it, that God still gets accomplished the work that he's going to accomplish. What an amazing picture. And we can be thankful for that on this Resurrection Sunday. Father, we're grateful for the opportunity to be able to look at these things and grateful that we see an amazing story here and how men could do and suffer can suffer as a result of doing nothing wrong at all. As we see, our Lord did no evil, and this was validated by Pilate, and yet he was put to death. And we're thankful that you used that to be able to bring about our salvation and that he was raised from the dead. And we're so thankful to celebrate that on this Resurrection Sunday. It's not Easter. Easter is, a, is, a, is really a secular name. The biblical name is Resurrection Sunday, because it's this day that we celebrate that you raise your son out from the dead. And we're so thankful that he was raised never to die again. And because he was raised, we have the hope that we're going to be raised as well. And we're so thankful for that. In your son's name we pray. Amen.